This is Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. I'm Shannon Powell, and joining me today are Brendan and Angelina. Thanks so much for being here. You guys are seniors at Mamaroneck High School. So I've dragged you in here to get a feeling for what young people are, are, are thinking and feeling about what's going on in the country. Let's start with the obvious. What do you guys think about Trump? I personally, obviously, am very unhappy that he took office. Um, you know, it was unexpected. And the other thing is my generation of kids couldn't vote in that election. So just seeing it happen without our control was just very unexpected and, un- and unfair, to be honest. What about you, Brandon? Um, so ever since before Trump took office, uh, his presence on social media is pretty unprecedented and really just like crazy how influential he is and has been. Um, and he used, specifically Twitter, he uses to spread, uh, spread his message, uh, get his point across. And it's, it's in a very simplistic way, but that's, he does that on purpose uh, because a lot of these people that, he, that his base or, you know, the type of people that are voting for him, uh, they, they don't really truly understand what's going on in politics, but, uh, but he appeals to, to them by um, his like simple message. Um, and he just his language is so persuasive and his prop- propaganda like it just works really well. And it's kind of scary because uh, a lot of it is disinformation, not true. Um, he uses the you know big words like obviously everyone has fake news and he you know he's calling people names and stuff like that, um, and truly really just not stuff that presidents have ever done. So, uh, you know I, I I think I don't know if there's a way to like regulate that in the future with presidents or or any uh, any people in office, but uh, it's definitely something to look into because uh, it's, it's dangerous. It's concerning. CTL. Yeah. Do you follow the president on Twitter? I don't. Uh, here and there, I'll get dragged into it by you know other people retweeting or commenting or whatever. But um, you know, I just scrolling through his Twitter just pisses me off because it's it's too it's, much. It's too much. I, like I'll, I'll look through it one day and I can't look through it the rest of the week. What about you, Angelina? Do you follow the president on Twitter? No, I don't. I don't read his. Well, mostly he comes up like on social media as a joke. So is that something that you've chosen to do to not follow the president? Yeah, well, also I just I just don't see it. I don't think it's important to. He doesn't have anything important to say, so I don't really follow him or look at his Twitter. So where do you guys get your news sources? Where do you get your information? What are your news sources? <clears throat> Brandon. Um, Twitter and social media is a obviously fast growing uh very, you know, growing fast for uh you know, news, getting your uh, latest whatever's going on in politics and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also like on, on my phone, there's like the little news app that, uh-huh. um, which I like because it, it, it does, it's not biased at all. It has your stuff from ESPN. Uh, not ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, it's okay for you. Though. It's okay to listen to ESPN. I meant to say traditional news. I meant to say CNN. Been outed, Sports fan. That's um, okay. No, uh, C- <laughs> CNN, um, Fox News, MSNBC, all that stuff. So, like, it, you have different perspectives, and right. then and then you can sort of form your own opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's what my dad 
likes to do a lot actually he, he'll he'll watch cnn and msnbc or something like that and then he'll go and watch fox news and then like he'll he'll you know see both sides and and come up with what he thinks just like you know to have different perspectives right which i think is important regardless of of who you want to vote for or what your political stance is um to not yeah. be in your own silo to broaden to broaden your your Right, right. Your perspective. You know, not to yeah. rem- not to remain too biased, just to know what's going on on both sides, and uh, and yes, yeah, so, but just to get back to the question, Twitter is a big place for me. What about you, Angelina? No, I agree with Brandon. Um, social media is a very like general broad way to connect with people and to reach out to people, and I think that since so many people you know use social media like Twitter and Instagram, it seems like news can pass through it much faster and people also have commentary on it so you can see multiple perspectives like from individuals not just from news sources which i i think is great so do you do either of you read any of the traditional papers or watch any of the newscasts i mean brandon you talked about you know cnn and msnbc and fox yeah uh for me watching the news on television or reading the paper that's more driven from my parents like Mm -hmm. if if my mom has cnn on in the kitchen then you know i'll probably watch with her and see what's going on uh or if she like directs me to an article that she thought was interesting i'll go ahead and read it uh see what's going on but for me uh i really like personally only see what's going on social media because i you know i'm not waking up in the morning and reading the paper right and i don't usually watch the news so yeah those two things are more driven by my parents so this is a big generational shift i mean yeah. you know so this is one of the things that people who are my age we won't exactly say what my age is but you know we were <laughs> used to watching traditional news shows reading getting up and reading the paper right. you know right. which and, i think yeah. is still a, a good thing to do for right. sure but it's different so i think mm-hmm. you know this is one of the challenges is making sure that you know um that the right kind of information reaches young people what about issues what kind of issues really drive drive you what do you care about? Um, I think um, I, Brandon and I have talked about this before, but environmental issues are like a very big thing for us because um, we don't see enough um, change happening on the political level. We don't see enough people like, you know, people with power trying to make um, environmental changes. So obviously it's up to the citizens and the individuals to come out and, you know, push for that to, to show our support for for this necessary thing we need you know we need people to to work towards lowering um carbon emissions and mm-hmm. you know these the plastic that's that's around everywhere like natural areas they shouldn't be littered with with garbage and i think that's something that we are more aware of mm-hmm. um especially my generation just because you know my generation is going to have to deal with it a lot more as time goes on if no one else does so do you agree brandon Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I actually took a an AP environmental science class this year, and uh, a, a lot of like the service level stuff is what I, I already knew. But you know, we really delve deep into uh, what the environmental issues are, what we need to tackle going forward, um, and what's what. A couple of things are really concerned me that there are still people that deny it climate the existence of climate change right which there's so much scientific evidence that backs it up so all you need to do is just you know read a little about it and uh educate educate yourselves a little bit um and then can i ask you a quick question do you do you come across uh any of your peers who 
do not believe in climate science. I mean, my own daughter has a friend who doesn't believe in climate change. Actually, not at all. My friends are, they're all very aware of it. It's, the difference is that most people aren't active in trying to help, like, protect the the globe, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're aware of it, at least, so. Do you know any naysayers? I think where where we live, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot less of the ignorance toward it, like, because, you know, people talk, it's taught in schools, like, mm-hmm. you know, I learned in that class this year. Um, I Yeah, none of my friends really just deny its existence. I think it, if you said that, uh, they would be like, no, it's, it's of course it's a thing. But I, I think once you get to, like, the, you know, middle America, r- the rural areas, that that's where you, you might see more of that because they, they're not being taught it, and uh, they see, you know, what – what Trump says about it or other people, you know, people from the oil industries, mm-hmm. uh, that they see what they're saying about it and they sort of go with it. Um, have but, you guys, have you guys been following the efforts of the Trump administration to kind of, uh, dismantle this client, uh, climate change oh, absolutely. reporting? And did, did you, have you been following, you know, the things that they've, the things that they've been doing? Yeah. It's, it's just like, Everything they're doing is taking the economic approach and just totally uh, pushing aside the environmental effects. Uh, I mean, they, they're basically they've killed the the EPA, right? Environmental Protection uh, Protection Agency, um, and everything that you know we sort Obama and other uh, past administrations have made to progress. Uh, you know, making strides in. Uh, you know, tackling climate issues, uh, it seems to have taken a two steps back with with, with when Trump came in office, and you know he's uh, taken off oil restrictions and and uh, you know so many things. It's just right. he it's he's just ruining everything. Every, any progress that we made on the federal level, uh, which is just really really concerning. He's, right, he's, he's making it easier to to emit greenhouse gases, to yeah. pollute the water, to pollute the air. Because he's a, he's a businessman. The only thing he's concerned about is profit. So, of course, uh-huh. he wouldn't work to protect the environment if he could destroy it and get money out of it. So that's not a concern for him at all. Do you see that as a short-term? See, I see that as being so short-sighted because you might save industry a little bit of money now, but the long-term consequence, this, this climate, this four-year climate, report that came out um, right around Thanksgiving said that uh, we could lose by the end of the century 10% of our GDP because of climate change. Yeah. That's catastrophic. They're yeah. not looking at the long term. That's right. definitely not. So what about what other issues do you guys care about? You know, I, I think the abortion laws are huge as uh, recently. Um, and I, I've been amazed by how much publicity it's gotten around, even around like people our age or even younger um uh, on instagram so that you know there's there are instagram stories where like you just swipe through and see each person's like story f- that last 24 hours and most people just post like pictures of themsel- themselves and stuff like that but um but after those uh, laws in alabama and uh, other things in the south like there was so much outrage over it and you know, even just scrolling through my Instagram stories, uh, everyone was posting something about it. Uh, you know, mostly females, but just it was yeah. it was amazing. There, there was uh, you know, like men should not be making 
uh, abortion laws for females and, you right. know, all, all that type of stuff. Like a lot of uh, passionate people who, you know, I would not expect to come out and say s- mm-hmm. stuff about politics, but. So now as a young, oh, sorry, Angelina, but as a right. young man, because I'm interested in this, um, as a young man, did, did those stories from from females, from women move you? Yeah, totally. Because I, I feel like for me, I don't have to be a woman to understand like how horrifying even like just picturing being in a situation where I'm uh, sexually assaulted and then I can't. Uh, make a decision for my own body of whether I want to not have that child or have it after n- not even, you know, choosing to have that baby. So uh, it's really, you know, disgusting if you think about it. And I don't think you have to be a, a woman to understand that. What about you, Angelina? I mean, it it's genuinely, it is just an attack on women and non-binary individuals, which is like, it's crazy. It's insane, especially in this time where we're fighting for these rights and it's, it's becoming prevalent that, that, you know, feminism, equality, this, this idea that we need to reach for it, it's just being knocked down by these laws and it's not right. And I see that, like, I love that we're getting support from all individuals, all types of people. It's great. Um, and you know, we need to advocate for, um, you know, going and, and supporting people down there who are fighting for their rights because it's, it, they literally strip them of it like overnight. They just decided that they were going to, you know, take away these rights and it's just not right. I just think it's insulting to, um, women and non-binary individuals. Have you followed that some of the, some of the laws that have been passed in New York state to codify Roe v. Wade? Are you familiar with any of, of that legislation that passed early this year? Um, like what? Well, so there was a law called the Reproductive Health Act. Oh, and yeah. Actually, yeah. Oh, so, so how, so looking at it now, when you see what's happening in the South and some of these Midwestern states, does it make you, knowing that, that here in New York, there have been, there's legislation that codifies Roe v. Wade and put these protections in place, does that, how does that make you feel as a New Yorker? It's, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's our, it's our right to have these protections. It's, it's. Um, an individual's right to be able to reach out and get these the necessary help needs and and it's not okay for them in the south to just pull that away from people i think you know what we're doing in new york and the activism that's been shown is really like it's increasing the protection for us and and like this idea that obviously you know it is the individual's choice it's not it's not up to a group of like 15 men in a room who just decided, you know, they just want to take away these rights. It's not okay. Do you think this is something that will factor into people's decision or kids your age, like when they're looking at colleges, that they might not choose to go to school in some of these states? Or do you think that's going to be a non-factor? What's your feeling about that? I think it's, well, I don't think people are aware of how it could um, influence their lives if they go to colleges in those states. I don't think they know what would happen um, to them as an individual, because assuming, obviously, you know, we're New York citizens and and going down to college, like, does that change that? So not many people are thinking about that aspect and how it will affect their rights. So when I speak to other activists within Westchester about how to get youth involved, one name often comes up, and it's Abe Baker Butler. Abe is a 17-year-old from Ryebrook, and I'm so happy that Abe is on the phone with us now. Hey, Abe, how are you doing? 
Very well. How about you, Shannon? Thank I'm, you for having me on the call today. I'm really good. So, hey, I want to know, how did you become so involved with everything that you're involved with, and what are you doing right now? Um, so it's a long story, and I'd say it definitely hasn't been a monolithic journey. It's been in lots of little steps. Um, I'd say I've always been interested in social change, activism, social justice, making the world a better place. Um, so I was pretty, very young, like uh, I'd say an elementary school student. Um, I remember I used to think about those issues a fair amount, um, and I didn't really, I, I felt like I didn't really have the tools to go about addressing them. Um, but that started to change as I went to a sleepaway camp called Eden Village Camp. Uh -huh. um, it was a Jewish camp that emphasized social justice and activism, as well as sustainable farming. Um, and there I really gained, uh, I felt like I was really empowered to take the steps necessary um, to really become an activist. Um, but I'd say what was really the inciting incident for me getting very involved in activism and local politics was the election of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm sure you've heard of that from many people. Uh, so my story regarding that is I was not very involved in the Trump-Clinton campaign. And after the campaign, I felt a little bad and guilty about that. Uh -huh. um, and then a few months later, a good friend of mine, Nancy Barr, um, decided that she, she felt similarly. Um, and she decided she was going to run for county legislator of the 6th District of Westchester County. Um, so you know, when, she, when she told me this, when I heard this, I said, I'd love to be involved. Um, and so as a high school freshman, I served as the campaign secretary of that um, campaign. So I was taking notes, distributing letters to the newspapers, posting things on social media, managing our youth initiatives. And that was really a very formative experience. Um, it really, uh, from analyzing voter data and all sorts of other things, it empowered me um, and showed me all the intricacies, not, well, not all the intricacies, but many of the intricacies of Westchester politics, all the different issues people were working with, um, and it inspired me to create activist organizations of my own. Um, I know this answer is getting a little long-winded, um, but from there I went on to found the Ryebrook High School Democrats, uh -huh. um, Westchester Student Coalition Against Gun Violence, and I've kept up my activism since, and I've loved it. So how has this changed then your outlook on life being so politically active? I guess, how has it changed you? That's, that's a very good question. I, I think it's changed me in a number of ways. Um, I'd say being involved, on the one hand, it, it's really empowered me. Um, it's, it's made, when I am faced with a big task, it makes it easier for me say, okay, I can do this, I can handle this, I know what steps I need to take, I know the resources available to me, I know what to do. Um, it's also helped me um, a little bit in the learning about how to lead a group, how the group organize. I'd say that for all of these activism efforts, I've gained a tremendous amount of experience and I've learned a huge amount about how you motivate a group, how you don't motivate a group, um, what drives people. Uh, and that's been really informative as well. And on the flip side, I'd say I've also learned about what the challenges are and what the difficulties are um, in trying to make a change at the systemic level, how you know, there are many obstacles in, in place, um, and you have to be ready 
for those when you embark on an activist journey. Right. Now, Abe, I would say that you know many younger people and actually many older people are intimidated by the thought of getting involved. It sounds like your journey, because you went to this camp and you knew Nancy, kind of grew organically. And of course, you know, you were willing to take it all in and run with it. But what would be your advice to other people, to other young people, about how they can get involved in the steps that they can take to make a difference like you have? So I would say it's definitely a valid concern that people have about putting themselves out there. Um, you know, I, I've been... People have written letters against me and things of that sort. Um, but I'd say people, a lot of times people think that others um, will care more negatively about their actions than they actually will. Um, and what I mean by that is oftentimes people are afraid of what others will think. Um, they're afraid to take a risk. They're afraid to take that big jump because they're concerned about the feelings of others. Um, and I would say, of course, this is easier said than done. But try and think a little bit more about yourself in that regard. Um, think about how you can be fulfilled by the work you're doing um, and not so much about what others think. In terms of tangible ways for teens to get involved, um, I would just a little plug, I would say joining a high school of Democrats or high school political club of any sort um, is a great gateway to get involved. Um, also attending local town meetings, local county legislative meetings. I think all of those things are great because you end up in the same room with other passionate people. Um, and when you're in a group of people of that sort, it you know, can become much easier and feel um, much more accessible to get involved in activism. So I'd say that's the advice I have. Um, get together with the people who so approach things in a way not so worried about what others think um, and go to places, go to venues, where there's likely to be other people interested in the same things you are. And I think one of the other things, too, is you really put yourself out there, but people don't have to, you know, there are ways behind the scenes, there are big and small ways to get involved. So not everybody has to, you know, take the leadership role. There are a lot of other important roles, right, that they can take that are just as important that could also match their comfort level. Most definitely, yes. I would say, um, I'd say my advice for that is, largely the same, definitely the same about attending, you know, political meetings and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I would also say, for that sort of thing, if you don't want to have your face be the public face out there, um, I would say there, like you said, there are many ways that can happen, um, and there's no need to feel like that's the only place in activism where people can get involved. So, Abe, what's next for you? When, when are we voting for Abe? <laughs> uh, so that's a good question. So some people have been uh, whispering Abe 2040 in my ear. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm glad you did the math because I didn't want to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so no, I'd, I'd be eligible for 2040 for president. Um, I've been hearing a few whispers about a possible campaign. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see what happens next. Um, for now, I'm continuing the activist efforts I'm currently involved with. Um, this summer, I'm going to be doing this program called the Bronfman Fellowship uh -huh. um, with 26 other teens from across the nation, um, who I hope will, to play on my advice from earlier before, um, it will help me continue to find that network of people interested in activism and social justice. Um, and then we'll see what happens next. I'll make sure to keep you updated. 
Thank you, Abe. And thanks for all that you do. You know, you're definitely a great role model for people of all ages, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Shannon. Oh, and one more thing I forgot to mention. Sure. Um, one other thing, uh, one other piece of advice I would have is that um, it's a lot easier to get involved when it's about an issue that you're really passionate about. Um, and although there are many social issues that need solving, um, if you can zero in on the one or two that excite you the most, um, that really drive you, that can make your efforts a lot more successful. Like, for example, um, I got very involved with e-cigarette advocacy. I now lead a student-led nonprofit with a few other students about that. Um, and I was, think I was able to do that because I was so passionate about the issue because it affected um, my peers. So I just wanted to add that side note. I think that's a great note. Yeah, find your passion and run with it. Yes. All right, Abe, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Shannon. Hope to see you soon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So what's up with 2020? You guys get to vote in the 2020 election. Right. What's that going to mean for you? Um, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm going to be honest, though. Uh, I know this is a broader you know, topic, but uh, for someone who, you know, I'm a New York voter, and New York typically goes de- uh, Democrat, um, it's almost a little discouraging uh, knowing that no matter what my vote is, it's like, you know, New York is going to be Democratic and it, it's going to come down to the swing states most likely with how the Electoral College goes. Um, and I've said this to my parents, like, I I think it's been time for a while to change to a popular vote. I don't know how that would happen, but mm. I think I, I, I hate how every year it just comes down to a cer- certain, you know, small number of states uh-huh. to see where the vote's going to go. Uh, and I mean, we, we saw that in the last election that I'm pretty sure the popular vote was, was for Hillary, right? Yeah. It was 3 million. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't see why the electoral college is still a thing. I, I, I know it's, it's, it's been the tradition for so long, but it's time to, you know, raise that issue. But, um, yeah, for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to vote, uh, and see who, you know, who wins the primaries. I think it's just important that, uh, we all, really back whoever wins uh for the for the democrats and that uh that's really what the the pledge is about the the 2020 pledge that uh the indivisible ha- pledge right indivisible yeah. pledge yeah. how many people have signed that so far how uh, many a candidates lot. um uh, majority majority yeah. so yeah. Great. yeah so yeah that that's really great uh and i think it, the message is great and we we have to back the, the candidate that wins the primaries what about you, Angelina? Twenty twenty, excited to vote. Is there anybody who you're watching? Can you can you guys even name all of the candidates? <laughs> oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, well, the nice thing is that a lot of candidates have a good amount of um, spotlight, and a lot of candidates are really talking about the issues that concern them. And you know, people do have the option to like choose candidates that they actually feel like not just just a general Democratic candidate, but candidates that actually talk about issues that they find important, which I think is great. Um, I would love to, um, I would love to see more kids my age or, you know, people my generation participate in politics more. Um, that would be great. I, um, actually, which is crazy, in my school at, uh, one of the classes, I know that a teacher was handing out, 
um, voter registrations, which right. is great, you know, because kids turn 18, they should just immediately register. Um, and that's great. I think a lot of people should have the ability to just, you know, register and, and go out and vote. Um, and that's important to me for 2020. So a lot of people feel that the youth vote is going to be critical to helping determine who's going to be president. So hopefully a lot of young people get engaged, they vote, and they make a difference this year. I hope so too. So thumbs up. What's one of the benefits of being a teenager in the Trump years? Give me a thumbs up. Um, One thing would be that um, Trump is so crazy that it's managed to bring in so many like young activists and people involved in politics and it it's it's good yeah brandon you agree yeah it's yeah how, how outlandish he is uh i think it's made more young people aware of what's going on in politics uh whereas before not a lot of people were really aware of what's going on or so engaged do you think you guys are more engaged because of him for sure yeah yeah Now it's time for thumbs down. What's been disappointing? Um, so after the Parkland shooting, uh, it was incredible how all those high schoolers really came out and expressed their, you know, how angry and frustrated they were with where uh, gun control what is and how there, there continues to be not enough progress. And that was great and all, but I feel like sort of like the response after that by, uh, you know, the federal government and Trump and, you know, just like the, the masses, it, it, it really hasn't been enough. And uh, it still remains that we, you know, we turn on the news all the time and we see this, this shooting and that shooting, all this unnecessary violence. Uh, and I, I just think that it, it's become like such a political thing, like, oh, we need to protect our Second Amendment, blah, blah, blah. But if you really sit back and think about it, like, why why are we letting people have such easy access to guns when a lot of these people don't don't really need it, aren't uh, mentally stable enough where they should be allowed to have it? Um, and, you know, we, we, we've had all this talk about, like, oh, maybe teachers should have guns so that they could protect themselves. Like, that's not the answer. Like, if we really think about it, it's mm-hmm. time to just make more restrictions on guns and take guns out of the hands of people who can really cause some damage. Angelina, do you feel that not enough has been done, especially on the federal level? Yeah, and I'm also I'm concerned about how, like, in Florida, um, teachers are now allowed to carry guns. That's scary, the fact that they're going in that direction. That's not the answer, like Brendan said. Would you guys be disturbed if your teachers were armed? Yes. Yeah. Why? Definitely. They they don't need to be armed. No one around us. We're students. It's a school. It should be a safe environment, and guns aren't safe. Totally agree. This has been Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. Find us on the internet at www.indivisiblewestchester.org. Also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And keep on resisting.